Hey, y'all, and welcome back to Uplift Fit Nutrition Radio. I'm your host, Lacey Dunn, registered dietitian, here to spread the scientific knowledge in the world of fitness and nutrition. I'm so excited about today's episode, so make sure you listen in and get ready to learn. Hey y'all, and welcome back to Uplift Fit Nutrition Radio. Today's guest is Michelle Shapiro, and she is an incredible functional and integrative nutritionist and dietitian, and I am so stoked to have her on. We are going to dive into one of my favorite topics, which is all about anxiety. But first off, Michelle, thank you so much for taking your time to come on my podcast, and can you tell my listeners a little bit about who you are, your background, and more about you and what you do? Absolutely. And I'm so freaking grateful to be here. And you could not, if you're listening right now, you could not have two people who are more excited to talk about anxiety, um, which is a funny kind of ironic thing, but we are so excited to bring this information to you. And I'm just so happy to be here with you, Lacey. So I'm so, so excited. I am, like you said, an integrative functional dietitian, which means that I look for the root cause of things. And I want to get to the bottom line of why someone isn't feeling their absolute best. And I work with Three different types of conditions, really, which is people who are looking to lose weight, but in a way that feels really authentic and in alignment and and absolutely body neutral and body positive, because I believe that you can actually work towards changing your body while respecting it and eating in an intuitive and intentional way, which is a little bit different than other people. I also help people to heal holistically from anxiety disorders and who are suffering from gastrointestinal issues. So those are the three kind of areas that I work. And again, I'm just so grateful and so excited to be sitting down with you today. Oh, I love it. And I love that you focus on the root cause. You're not about the whole Band-Aid effect, which I see it in a lot of different dietitians too, right? So if somebody has digestive issues, it's like, oh, take this probiotic, take these digestive enzymes, but not asking, well, why do you have digestive issues in the first place? Exactly. And dietitians like us who operate in a functional capacity, really the way that we would describe it is if you came to us or you went to a doctor and you said, hey, I have a thyroid problem. Instead of immediately just saying, okay, here's thyroid medication. What we as dietitians want to understand is, well, why isn't your thyroid functioning properly? And Mm -hmm. is there anything we can do to help you boost your body's natural ability to create thyroid hormone or to convert thyroid hormone. So that's really the difference between what, when we say integrative or functional, and I'm sure Lacey, you've covered this on like all of your podcasts, but this is kind of the the realm in which I work too. And really specifically with anxiety also is I want to know why someone's anxious. I don't chalk it up to just, oh, they're anxious and they need to take medication and goodbye. I want to know what's making someone anxious. And usually it's coming from a place that people might not expect. Right. And I'm so excited to dive into those specific places because it's going to blow some people's minds. But first, let's talk about the difference between anxiety and stress, because I think people need to understand that there is a distinct difference. Absolutely. So everyone has a different, different explanation of what and definition of what they think anxiety or stress is. The way I describe anxiety, stress, or panic is I kind of put them on a scale. And I would say that stress is kind of the first step, which is like when you are not recognizing your stress, it can build up. And then you're going to get into the category of anxiety. And anxiety for me and the way I describe it is a sensation that comes when you've ignored other pains and when you've ignored other stressors for a longer period of time. 
And then panic, which would be kind of the last step on the level on, on our little ladder, is when you haven't acknowledged, again, your stress or anxiety, and then it becomes a very physical reality, which is really panic attacks. So stress itself can be anything from, and we'll talk a lot about this, but it really can be anything from, you know, when you get an upset stomach, when something's not right, when you're getting into the state of anxiety is when you start to have a lot more of those physical sensations. And probably when you start to really notice it, because we can have too much stress for a long period of time and not notice it probably until it gets into that anxiety range. Huge distinction there. I know even for me who I have clinical anxiety, there is definitely a huge difference between when I feel just a little bit stressed out and when I know my anxiety is rooting its ugly head. So for me, the stress versus the anxiety, the anxiety feels like something I cannot control at all. It feels like a black hole, essentially, like I'm stuck in a black hole and I don't know how to get out. Whereas the stress, I can feel it coming on and I can kind of like push it away versus the anxiety. I can't push that away at all. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that for a lot of people, we have these kind of signs of stress that are starting. So it's like you're waking up at 2 a.m. And I know that a listener who just heard that is like, why is she in my room? Does she know why I'm waking up? Why does she know I'm waking up at 2 a.m.? There are certain signs, and we'll talk about what those are, that your stress is actually getting to the point where it's building up. So it feels sometimes like anxiety is coming on just out of nowhere. And, And thank you for sharing your experience because it can be so painful. And actually what we didn't talk about was my own personal history. Yeah, um, I'm so excited yeah. for you to dive into that. Can you tell us? I would love to. And, I, and I'm really, I'm always really open and excited to share. And it's a vulnerable story for sure. And kind of one that describes a lot of the work that I do, which is funny because the three things that I work with are the three things that I've dealt with. So I, about 10 years ago, when I was in high school, I had occupied a larger body until I was about 17 years old. And I grew up in Queens, New York, which is like a place where people celebrate diversity of all kinds. And body diversity was much more acceptable in Queens than it might have been in other suburbs. So I knew when I was going to college, because I was going to the University of Delaware, that I'm going to have to lose weight because I don't think people would know, you know, oh, this is Michelle Shapiro. She's a class clown. She has great grades, a lot of friends. Kind of the whole life that I built from having this close-knit neighborhood and this really accepting place, I knew I was going to go in with a clean slate and I was going to be, you know, known as maybe the kind of larger girl. So I wanted to go to college and have the same experience as everyone else. And unfortunately, that comes along with occupying a smaller body. So I really went on a crash diet. And we could not recommend this any less to anyone. But I lost 100 pounds in startlingly like three months, I just basically stopped eating. And from that, I started to get really terrible panic attacks. And I didn't draw this conclusion of why I was getting panic attacks after. And remember, my life was so much better. I went to college, I was getting all the boyfriends and all the new friends and all the things and all this validation. But I was having these, just like you said, just like these black hole kind of panic attacks where I was completely depersonalized. I was living outside of my body. I felt so unsafe all the time. I was, it was, it was, a, it was a really scary time. And I was having panic attacks so frequently that I really couldn't enjoy anything in my life the same. So I, at that time, started to look into what could be causing my anxiety because I was not before a person who suffered from panic attacks. I was a very outgoing person, a highly social person, 
So I basically made what I call a battle plan. And I just listed what are the physical ways I can deal with anxiety? What are the spiritual ways I can deal with anxiety? What are the mental ways? And I made this huge list and it involved some supplements. It involved eating again and it involved all these things. And then I put it into place and I basically got to this like 75, 80% better spot. And then years later, I ended up seeking the help, help of a naturopathic physician who did an even deeper dive into what was going on in my hormones, what was going on in my body, and all these repercussions from really starving myself. Even for that short period of time, my body was in such a survival state, which we'll talk about, that I was still having repercussions years later. So after going to my naturopathic physician, Dr. Kochko, I, I walked into his office and felt so different after leaving with my new updated battle that we eventually decided to make a program together called Anxiety Proof. And now he is my colleague and business partner. And we are bringing this message of holistic anxiety healing because we truly believe that no matter where you are at, you can heal your anxiety. Again, I was having five panic attacks a day. I was completely depersonalized, living outside of my body. Forget the stomach symptoms. It was an unbearable to, to be, really, it was unbearable to get through the day. And I can happily say that putting all this physical and mental and spiritual work into place that I haven't had a panic attack in, I think like eight years as a result. So I'm really excited about that. And that's kind of my story of how I navigated through all these things and really found that it took a really multidisciplinary and a really multifaceted battle plan to get me to be healed from it. I'm so happy that you were your own health advocate And you looked at the fact that you were struggling and you didn't say, oh, hey, let's just, let's just band-aid it, right? You wanted to figure out why am I struggling? You did everything in your power in order to get you feeling better. You even went to a naturopath. And I know some people are anti-naturopaths, but I kid you not, mine was the biggest game changer for my own health and my own hypothyroidism. So very, very happy for you there. That's amazing. I love that you went to a naturopathic physician too. Yeah, there's, for me, there's no anti-naturopath. They are licensed healthcare professionals. They are the future of healthcare, in my opinion. So I'm, I'm definitely a big advocate and I'm so happy that you found the help you needed through the care of a naturopathic physician too. Absolutely. And we're bringing those messages from naturopathic physicians and from the Eastern and functional medicine world to people to let you know that if you are having anxiety and you're feeling not like yourself and you're feeling really scared that there are other solutions and not to say that medication is not a a solution. Medication is a part of a solution. 100%. We are not remotely advising that you change anything about your medication regime. Always talk with your healthcare professional and medication can be life changing and saving for some, but for us, it's really a piece of the puzzle. So what we want to talk about today is, is what are the other pieces of the puzzle and how do you heal your anxiety from not just a medication standpoint, not just from meditation and not just from these things, but really find out why you're having anxiety and, and start to heal it. Love it. So let's talk about some of the root causes of anxiety. I know some of them are going to be things that people absolutely know about, you know, work stress, life stress, all that stuff. But let's talk about some of the root causes of anxiety. And the ones that are also not well-known. This is going to blow your mind, guys. Yeah, I'm so excited. I know there's literally nothing more fun than talking about anxiety. I'm like so happy. So a lot of, I, I want to kind of picture, every, I want everyone to picture who's listening that 
there's, you have a stress bucket in your body. And if you fill up the stress bucket and things go over the top of the stress bucket, anything over that amount is going to cause you to have a panic attack, is going to cause you to have some physiological stressors. And things that you're going to notice are going to make you uncomfortable, like symptoms. So it's interesting because something like a really intense workout, when you're not under stress, can make you feel amazing. But if you'll notice during times of stress, you can't work out in the same way. You don't recover the same way. And actually, you start feeling a little bit anxious from those really intense workouts. Mm -hmm. Or something, you're like, you so know, because you're such <laughs> too. You're like, yeah, exactly. Even in times of mental stress, what I want us to understand is that that bucket that we have can be filled up by physical stressors or mental stressors. So this is probably the most important thing you're going to learn today is that your body responds to all stressors the same way because our bodies are really smart. So we have these cave woman, cave man like bodies and the way that our bodies adapted and learned to evolve is that there's bears and tigers and whatever evolutionary animals, you know, mammoths were around us in our prehistoric history and our historic history, our bodies are trained to run from them. So when your body would see a lion, let's say, or a tiger, and we'll use the tiger in the bushes as an example, your body is trained to either fight, flight, or freeze when they see a tiger in the bushes. So what happens is that now, as our bodies have evolved, but our genetics really haven't, and our biological responses really haven't, our body starts to think that when you're sitting in traffic or when you stub your toe, that there's a tiger there. So your body starts prompting all of these biological things to happen. So anything that can be physical as a stressor, like something like great exercise, when your body's already stressed, your body's like, oh my gosh, I'm running from a tiger right now. Mm -hmm. I need to release some stress hormones. And that's the same thing with if you're doing something like a low carb diet. The reason why I started having panic attacks is because my body was perceiving the greatest threat of all time, which is starvation. And my body was like, oh my gosh, Michelle, I have to tell you something. You're starving. And this is your body's way of communicating with you. So one central concept that I want you to understand is that all different types of stress can fill up your bucket, physical stress, mental stress. And the other thing I want us to picture the way I think of stress and anxiety is that it's our alarm system. It's our messenger to let us know something's going on. So if you close your eyes for a second, I want everyone to picture you're at the playground and you see a mom standing with her child. I call the child Timmy. So Timmy really wants mom's attention. And he's like, mom, mom, I really need to tell you something. And she's ignoring him. Picture he really wants her attention like Stewie and family guy in that scene like mom, mom, like that. He's really trying to get her attention and she's ignoring him. What happens when mom keeps ignoring Timmy is that he pulls harder. He's like, I really need your attention now. Our anxiety is something that wants to be acknowledged. So if, you're, if the mom at the park would just look at Timmy and say, hi, Timmy, how can I help you? His stress levels would come down, your stress levels would come down, and he would feel heard and responded to. So what we normally do with anxiety is we try to just shove it away. And we're like, go away. Leave me alone. Stop. I don't want to be anxious. Calm down. That's why that doesn't work because with anxiety, what you have to do is flow with it and not against it. So it's really counter and totally opposite to how we think we should deal with anxiety, which is like, let me just meditate it out. Let me just de-stress. No, in fact, you have to ride it out. So our anxiety, again, is a messenger and it needs to be heard. So the most powerful thing you can do when your stress bucket is overfilled is listen and accept your anxiety in the moment. A thousand percent, yes. You can't just keep pushing and diminishing it. You can't heal yourself, including anxiety and stress, 
in trauma, you can't heal by hiding. So you have to acknowledge it in, in order to conquer it. Exactly right. Yeah, the, it's like the, the phrase, what we feel, we heal, right? And mm-hmm. what we resist persists. The, the idea with anxiety is that you want to ride the wave. Now, it's funny, if you're an anxious person and you're listening to this, you're probably like, yeah, I don't want to feel anxiety. It's right? terrible. Michelle, Lacey, it's terrible. It's super unpleasant. I, I just want to push it, it away. I just want to make it go away. Exactly. So it's it's really counter to the treatment of what we usually hear about anxiety. And actually, if you think about the anxiety tr- conventional treatment with medication, it follows the same model of trying to just quiet the anxiety. But I want you to actually learn to love your anxiety because your anxiety is sending you a vital signal to what's going on. And we were talking about what could fill the stress bucket too. So something like a vitamin nutrient deficiency can be a signal. Something like you not sleeping adequately, something like a gut disturbance. If you're eating a food allergen, again, remember this is an alarm signal. So anything that's going to set your body off in an alarm signal way is going to be a stressor on your body and fill up your bucket. And when your bucket is overfilled, even from something like watching the news in the morning where you don't feel consciously anxious while you're doing it, but it's filling your bucket. So during really stressful times in history, and of course we're going through one and we just recently, we're still going through one probably this time. Just at baseline, when you're waking up in the morning, you're not realizing your stress bucket might be 50% filled already. So I think we all need to be like 20,000 times more gentle with ourselves than we've ever been before because we're working through such a collectively spiritually challenging time. And I think that being really gentle with ourselves is, is also really important. Love that you mentioned that. We got to give ourselves some grace. So those nutrient deficiencies. So I know we're definitely looking at things like amino acids, like tryptophan, which is a precursor for serotonin, antioxidants. We're looking at omega-3 fatty acids, folate, B vitamins, specifically vitamin B12, magnesium, zinc, what are others or some other micronutrient or macronutrient things? I know you mentioned carbohydrates. So let's talk about other things that can cause some anxiety here. You're the best. Absolutely. Yeah. I think also you mentioned magnesium. Magnesium is my favorite vitamin or mineral. How biased are we? I'm I'm so so biased. biased. Magnesium is my absolute favorite. Exactly. I know. It's like, what can it not do? No, it's it's involved in 300 different enzymatic reactions. It's, it's literally everything. It's, um, there's a psychology today article and it calls it like magnesium, the original chill pill. So magnesium is one of my favorites and it's really, really hard to test for magnesium deficiency also. So it's a pretty safe assumption and I won't give of course any blanket recommendations, but I think over 80% of people are magnesium deficient and similar numbers for vitamin D deficiency. So Mm -hmm. vitamin D is something, it's a hormone. It is something that people do talk more about, but it's really important to take the appropriate type of vitamin D and to get your levels checked and make sure they're not too high or too low because in in excess is is also actually, if you're going over kind of 70, can actually have the same effects as if it's too low. So you really want to keep a sweet range with your vitamin D of anywhere from like 50 to 45 to 60 is is really the sweet spot for that. But yeah, a vitamin D deficiency can definitely cause that vitamin B12 deficiency absolutely can cause anxiety. And then again, we, we talked about carbs before. What I recommend for people who are trying to work with their anxiety is, oh, this is going to be a contentious idea, but 
thinking about, again, what can make your body stressed out when it comes to intermittent fasting, which I do recommend for some clients, but I go only, and I know Lacey does too, only very individualized recommendations for everyone. But intermittent fasting in times of stress is a huge signal to your body that your body is starving. So it's really instigatory to your body when you're already, when your stress bucket's already filled. So I actually recommend for people who are suffering with anxiety and panic attacks and are on their healing journeys to really eat more frequently every three hours. And I know that people feel better if they intermittent fast. For the time being, I would actually also recommend just 30 grams of protein within 30 minutes of waking up. And this is really hard for some people who suffer with anxiety because anxiety can come with nausea and, and not feeling well in the morning. And then of course, also things like acid reflux, because when your body thinks a tiger is nearby, it releases a bunch of acid and produces extra acid so that your body doesn't taste good in case the tiger bites you. That is how archaic and amazing our bodies are and how built for preservation our bodies are. So I know in the morning for a lot of people with anxiety, they feel like they don't have an appetite and that could be coming from maybe some acid reflux symptoms or just from the fact that your body's not going to be focused on eating when it's running from a bear. So your hunger cues get either turned off or turned on really strongly. But if you can do something like a protein smoothie, 30 grams of protein within 30 minutes of waking up, it's easy to remember, will really help to tell your body you're safe, you're not starving, and it'll help you to rebuild. And eating protein in the morning can also help to balance out your blood sugar levels for the day. We talked about carbs for just a little bit before too. And again, nothing can really make your body feel more scared than the potential threat of starvation. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So when your blood sugar drops, your cortisol, your our main stress hormone, who you'll hear us talk about goes up. So really a huge goal and why I also want people to have small meals throughout the day is to help to maintain your blood sugar throughout the day. I'll also give one more macronutrient recommendation while we're saying 30 grams of protein in the morning. And this is very controversial, but I am a huge carb at night person. I think that our our hormones need to regenerate at night and we need fuel. Carbs make us amazingly sleepy. They help us to produce tryptophan. So I think that just eating carbs to help stabilize your blood sugar throughout the night is one of the most powerful things you can do for your anxiety. Agreed. Fully agreed. I know for me, if my blood sugar drops, I'm an anxious, shaky, absolute bitch of a mess. So 100%. I can't imagine you ever being a bitch. Very, very important. You're always so nice. I can't imagine you being ever mean, by the way, but maybe hangry. I was going to say, you could speak to my mom. (laughs) She can definitely say you don't want me hangry, but also that comes from her. So just saying. Exactly. But you're, you're, you nailed it. And that's how so many people feel. I'm the same way. And what's really interesting when you start to heal from stress and you start to see the difference is that you learn what your own body needs. So mm-hmm. during times of stress, you know, during the COVID quarantine, I have been having my fruit and my seeds. Like I'll have some sort of like pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds at night, every single night, because I know if I don't, my blood sugar is going to drop in the night and then I'm going to wake up at 2am. So that's actually why people are waking up at 2am oftentimes is because your blood sugar drops. And the really, really interesting thing about your blood sugar and cortisol, which is unfortunate, is that our cortisol is kind of based, it's a like a hormonal homeostasis reaction from our HPA axis. 
And our HPA axis, our hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenal axis, basically is, unfortunately, it's what helps us to manage stress. And I keep saying unfortunately, because it is also impacted by stress. So this comes back to that stress bucket. This means simply stated, the more stress you have, the less able to handle stress you are. So you can't keep slamming the system with stress. We are not really resilient to stress. There's a finite amount of stress you can handle and anything over that, you're not going to feel well with. And you're going to have all those stress symptoms. So what the goal is with any kind of anxiety proofing program is how do you reduce what's in the bucket and how do you introduce things that make you feel really awesome? Love it. And I love that you keep mentioning bucket, whereas mine is definitely a teaspoon. (laughs) A stress teaspoon. Okay, so can you hear me? Yes. Okay, awesome. So let's chat about just a few more things that can cause anxiety. So hormones. Let's talk about hormones. Hypothyroidism, low progesterone, estrogen dominance. Let's chat a little bit more about what else can be causing that anxiety. Absolutely, yeah. Your cortisol, also this stress hormone, blocks the production of a lot of the hormones that you just named. So it, it will basically, you're, what, when we think about female hormones too, elevated cortisol is going to prevent your body from having normal periods from potentially getting you pregnant and things like that because your body doesn't want you to try to get pregnant and try to grow in a period of starvation or in a time when your body thinks it's running from a tiger. It's kind of mm-hmm. like... It's not the time. That's kind of what cortisol signals is. It's not the time. So I know. I would hope it does that. Yes, except I think for people who are like living in America and are working these really long hours mm-hmm. and are so desperate and so hard working to try to get pregnant, it can be so frustrating. And then it feels again mentally stressful too, and in th- this really devastating, really time consuming and heart consuming venture for people. And then kind of the response that people get is, well, why don't you just calm down? Why don't you meditate a little bit? And it's, it's so not that simple, of course. But thinking about the way our sex hormones are, are really based on this, what I would call our preservation system. Our whole body is built. How do we preserve our bodies and make sure we don't die? That's your body's main thought. And anything that kind of tilts that access or overfills your bucket is going to block the production of those normal, healthy sex hormones. Right. And when we have these sex hormones that are not created, it becomes a vicious cycle because they all like to jump ship together, right? So if one goes downhill, if you're not producing progesterone, then that estrogen can be dominant. Or then your thyroid goes off whack. So a lot of things like to happen together. And the most important thing is if you have anxiety, work with somebody like me or Michelle, help to get to the root cause of it. Exactly. Yeah, there's, and, and just knowing again, the answer is never just calm down. If your stress or anxiety is coming from a folate deficiency, calming down is not really going to help you. So you need a comprehensive professional who's going to make a battle plan for you and who's going to look at all the reasons why your body might be feeling threatened. And, and I want to talk about this word threatened too. Because really, you know, the, the reason that our body is shooting off this stress response and why our body is looking for tigers everywhere is because evolutionarily, your body had a much smarter idea like, okay, if I shoot off these stress hormones and there's not a tiger, 
that seems like much less of a risk than if I don't shoot off these hormones and notify the human and run from the tiger. So it's kind of like our body calculates that risk to see what's a better risk or not. The problem is that we in our society right now are so overburdened where something like our cell phone light can be messing with our stress hormones. Something like, again, sitting in traffic, if someone makes a comment about your body, if, if you feel uncomfortable in your body, all of these things add up so quickly. So again, by the time we're having anxiety or panic, which is that kind of next level, we've probably had so much stress that we didn't acknowledge for so long. So I know people who are listening are also like, no, I'm so, I eat so healthy. What, you know, what, it's not about eating healthy or exercising or anything like that. It's about listening to what your body truly needs. And it's really, really, really hard to be honest with you, because it's not the message we want to hear. We want to just kind of do what's like conventionally accepted and like, okay, like we'll just eat healthy. We'll eat more, whatever whole grains and protein or whatever it is. And kind of everything will be better, but our bodies are very bio individual. So the really important thing is what are your tigers? What are the things that are causing your body to feel threatened? And how do we get you to feel not as threatened? So you can remove kind of some of those barriers, like maybe working out too hard, like maybe eating a low carb diet, maybe some micronutrient deficiency, maybe some hormonal change, maybe a gut issue. And then you also have to, have to, have to have social support, find social support. And that's, you know, Lacey, like you're, you're such a support for people I know, and you have such a powerful, empowering message on your page, but following the right people and trying to find yourself in the right communities, that's really powerful too. And I'll take us back to our caveman, cavewoman ancestors again, and just say that if you were part of a clan or a tribe and you walked up to people and said, can I be a part of your tribe? And you got lost from your last tribe and they rejected you. That rejection was a threat to your health. So that means when we are socially rejected, when someone doesn't want to date us, hang out with us, it's physical stress on our bodies because our bodies are scared. You know what the people rejecting me means? The tiger is coming. I'm, I'm in danger. So finding out why your body feels like it's in danger and then really finding a way to soothe your body, whether it be through physical means, through eating more carbs, through eating more protein, or maybe you're overeating and that's actually sending the wrong signal to your body too. Whatever that is and, you're, and you gradually find out what works for you, and then adding these things and powerful social connection, meditation, but things that really make you feel like you're in flow, not just like meditating. And I, I'll make my comment about meditation, which is that people are afraid to meditate who are anxious because they sit there and they're like, I can't stop my brain from thinking. Now that we have this Timmy understanding, right? Understand why meditation doesn't work if you try to make your brain stop thinking because Timmy's going to start screaming at you when you try to do that. So in meditation, what you want to start with is just accepting the thoughts as they come up, not fighting them, but inviting them and just allowing yourself to feel more and allowing yourself to listen more. So the goal of meditation is never to quiet the thoughts. And that's why meditation is so uncomfortable and unpleasant for people because they're trying to do the exact thing that won't work. So understanding that adding those social connections and adding some peaceful mindfulness practices will help to lower that stress bucket too. I love that you mentioned that. I know I absolutely, I hate meditation because it's so uncomfortable. And also like my thoughts race and then it's like you have to catch and grab them and feel them and get rid of them. So yeah, glad you mentioned that. Let's dive into something 
that I definitely wanted us to hit on before we dive into how you can help anxiety. Let's talk about the microtrauma effect. Yeah. So do we have, I want to know, I'm curious what your definition of micro traumas are too versus okay, I don't yeah. I don't know if tell me your standard definition because I want to make sure we're talking about the same thing when we say that but I'm pretty sure we are. So you tell me first actually. I would say for me a micro trauma is anything that is incurred by an event or person that yeah. causes subtle harmful behavior. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. We were on the same page. Yeah. So, yay. Absolutely. So again, we tend towards, because of self-preservation, judgment for a lot of the things in our life. And we don't realize that there's events in our lives that are tremendously impactful. And it can be something as simple as your mom telling you that she doesn't want you to eat anymore. It could be something as simple as a, a stranger commenting on your body. It can be something really small that basically you store in your body because we have cellular memory and we store memories as physical energy. That's how we store things. And these things can really guide and dictate our actions if we don't gently move through them. And again, we have this idea of fight, flight, or freeze, which we talked about before with the tiger, you have kind of three options. And people who basically move through trauma a little bit better and what these micro traumas are they seem in retrospect like these minute events, but your body is carrying them. If you were able to, during that micro trauma, fight or flight, you might have a better chance of not storing it in the same way, whereby if you in that moment were only able to freeze, you actually, it ends up having a larger impact on you long term. So it's really, there's unbelievable movement and energy and trauma work, EMDR, somatic experiencing that you can do for kind of not only these really big traumas, but for micro traumas too. So again, my message is going to be the same with those, which is just have deep and loving compassion for yourself. But it's also really hard to sort out what those are. So instead of just trying to find out which each one is, I would say just the kind of overall thing is that when you're feeling uncomfortable, and actually I can give a really good example, is that I have is to make yourself feel safe. And the example I have is I have a client who is absolutely wonderful. And, and he often, when he would go to the gym, he would feel really scared that people would judge his body at the gym. And it wasn't coming from a place of him feeling like he was overweight or anything like that. It wasn't coming from a place of people judging him that it would impact him in any way. It was coming from a place of him just feeling physically threatened. And eventually, after just being really gentle and compassionate with himself, he ended up realizing that when he was going to the gym, what he thought was that maybe it was that people were judging his body or his form, but that he actually had a trauma when he was younger in the gym where he got attacked. And it wasn't it was nothing. It was like a fist fight. But he realized that when he was going to the gym, his body was kind of going into that same state of fight. And he was having panic attacks when he was going to the gym, even though it was something that he loved. So understanding that something as small as like a, a fist fight, which to him at the time felt like, you know, he was like a young kid. It didn't feel like such a big deal, but it, it was showing up for him. And when he resolved that, he was able to move through it, which is just to say, like, give yourself compassion and that understand that our brains are so weird and cool and they store memories to save us. And that these little tiny things that seem little and tiny might actually be really big for you. 
Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I'm sure a lot of people, if they really dug in and connected with maybe a past trauma that could be showing up later. I know this is this may sound stupid, but for me, I choked on pizza once and I cannot go like if I think about a pizza restaurant like that, I'm automatically kind of like stresses me out. So just think about little things. I know that's like a stupid one, but just think about little things that could cause anxiety and stress and what you could what could be your own little micro traumas. Absolutely. And, and then the most important thing, Lacey, you said it sounds silly. It doesn't sound silly to me at all. It sounds like your body is brilliant and resilient and smart and that it wants to listen and you are you have your ear to the, your stomach and your brain listening really carefully and the fact that you've even uncovered that is pretty miraculous and amazing and it doesn't sound silly at all to me it sounds powerful so I'm really grateful you shared that too and and understanding that working in conjunction with I think a therapist is so powerful and then and also and none of none of what we're talking about is a replacement for therapy therapy is the gold standard this is in addition to therapy but i think also working with someone on just physically moving through the energy like an energy worker or something i think is really powerful too because i, I and and movement i know i'm sure has liberated you in so many ways and movement in general is so important in i am not a licensed personal trainer or anything but a certified personal trainer movement is, is so healing again, because our bodies are meant to move and to move out of this freeze state of, of, Oh my God, the tiger, I can't move to feel like we are able to progress and move out of that is, is so important too. So oftentimes in client sessions, like I'll see a client and I can watch them visibly shutting down. I'm like, let's just like shake our bodies out for a second. So, you know, the food work that we're doing, the nutrition work that we're doing, if we're working on all these issues, it's, it's everything. It, it, it's not just, and that's what functional nutrition is. It's not just like, let me see your food diary. It's, it's about what is going on in your body and being able to pick up on those signals with people and being able to feel the energy of the other person in the room. So oftentimes, yeah, like I'll lay on the floor, meditate with clients sometimes. Sometimes we just have to breathe it out. Sometimes we hit a really good point and we need to pause and, and just sit with it. And sometimes we need to shake it out. We're not instructing on how to lift weights or anything, but sometimes the energy builds up. And because again, stress is so physical, it's really important that you're conscious of how, when you're stressed, how are you sitting? Is your body contracted on a daily basis? How's your posture? How's your, how able is there, is your breath to move through your body? And just thinking about, of course, like breathing and and are we able to breathe? And I can actually give a really easy for people who are uncomfortable with meditation, which I know there are many, there's a really easy breath work, four, seven, eight, where you just breathe in for four seconds, you hold it for seven seconds, and you exhale for eight seconds. And it's a perfect balance to get your O2 and CO2 to feel really safe and in rhythm. Um, and I think doing that in combination, if I, I do my four, seven, eight breathing, and I just put my hand over my heart when I do it, and I just think of something really powerfully positive. And that also thinking of something positive can get your brain into flow with your heart, your brain, and your heart moving together is probably the most powerful thing you can do for anxiety too. So that includes also just having fun and, and, and things like that. But that's a really easy breath work you can do. And I just hold my heart and I do my four, seven, eight breathing and I picture something I really love. I absolutely love that. Giving really practical tips to help some people out here. So let's go over what else we can do both lifestyle and supplementation wise in order to really tackle stress and anxiety. So we've talked about making sure you're balancing your blood sugar, 
You guys refer to my smart snacks and everything that I've talked about on my Instagram about how to balance your blood sugar, making sure your meals have good fats and proteins, fiber, you name it. Not having just a carbohydrate for snack because that's going to spike your blood sugar, cause it to mm-hmm. drop, and then you're going to have some issues there. You talked about nighttime, so making sure you have a good nighttime snack or meal so your blood sugar doesn't drop during the night. So I love that you mentioned the shaking too. So I love shaking. Yes. I do like shake it off like shake Taylor Swift. I'm like, shake it off, shake it off. feels uh, so uh, good. Oh, and people, they might think you're crazy for like just shaking and shaking it out, but it feels so good, right? It feels so good. And I actually love shaking to the, like when you're at the point that you don't want to anymore. Like I think tolerating discomfort is the answer to anxiety. Like if you can tolerate feeling uncomfortable, you're good. Because anxiety perpetuates it like smells your fear kind of. It's like, ooh, I can get more. If you can tolerate and just be cool as a cucumber by being really tolerant to it and just being like, I hate this, but I'm doing it anyway. That's amazing. So I love to shake like so much. And then until the point where I'm like, I really don't want to. And then I do it for like another 30 seconds. And that's really powerful too. Yeah. Shaking is amazing. You're moving all that energy that's stale in your body when you do it. Right. Shaking. I've heard some people, they like doing tapping. Then there's of course meditation. And then let's talk about what else we can do to help anxiety. So what are your top tips? So the first thing you're going to want to do in all of this is assess your anxiety so that you can make your battle plan. So find out what we just talked about when it comes to some physical stressors, really understanding what, where your anxiety is coming from. And then you want to hit that with all you have. So we mentioned balancing your blood sugar, of course, really making sure you're getting your, your lab work done, making sure all of your micronutrients are in order and feeling really good. I think magnesium is probably my top recommendation, but make sure you're asking a healthcare professional what brand to try because a lot of them can cause GI upset. Also, I think I don't, I don't believe in food intolerance tests. Me either, girlfriend. Yeah, I know you don't. I, I saw your post about it and I was loving it. Yeah, no, I don't. But I think that when you're eating food, being really mindful and, and kind of assessing how you feel as you, as you're eating it, eating more slowly and mindfully. And, you know, there's like easy tricks you can do to, to start eating more mindfully before you're even getting into intuitive eating. Of course, like put your fork down between bites to put some physical barriers in place. But I think just asking yourself questions around a meal, am I feeling safe and comfortable? Um, you know, how, how am I feeling at this meal? Am I feeling hungry? Am I excited to eat this meal? And starting to tap into a little bit more of how you're feeling around meals. I also think a really powerful tool that you can use when it comes to food is just journaling your food. Please know my fitness pal, please know calories or anything like that, but just understanding what you're eating, why you're eating it and, and being more in touch with yourself and the food you're eating, I think is really powerful for stress too. I love grounding, just going out in nature, putting your feet in the grass. It helps to completely balance your body, connecting with vitamin N, as we call it, and getting outside as much as you can. It's a little bit challenging now with COVID and everything, but hopefully soon we'll have, be able to have even more open space and time outside. I think that's really important. And then when it comes to food, like you said, Lacey, just getting a balance of those nutrients is really, really important and making sure they're more frequent than you even think they need to be. And I think eating the right amount of food and not under eating is extremely important as well. I also am not a huge 
like you aren't like nutritionism person where it's like one nutrient will save you and other nutrients like are bad. It's, it's really trying to get a variety of different foods for sure, but then also making sure you are hitting enough food and making sure that you're balancing. And for a, a lot of women right now, I think overtraining and undereating is a bigger issue um, than anything else. And then just paying attention to what kind of conversations you're having with your body. My ultimate anxiety hack that I didn't mention, which I am really glad that I just remembered to say, woohoo, is adding Celtic sea salt or Himalayan sea salt to your food is so powerful. And I actually just drink it in like a quarter of a teaspoon right in my lemon water in the morning. And you have this beautiful acid base balancing lemon water. And then you also have this powerful salt because your body during times of stress depletes salt and depletes the minerals and salt. So you really want to replenish them so that your body can fight stress in the future. So generally, if you also are feeling like more thirsty than usual, which can happen in times of stress, it's probably not a water deficiency, but more a nutrient deficiency, a mineral deficiency from the salt. So adding Celtic sea salt, a quarter of a teaspoon to your water in the morning, right before you have your protein, whatever that 30 grams of protein within 30 minutes of waking up, I think is really going to make a big difference for you guys. I absolutely love that. I know for me, you know, when you have adrenal problems, you run through B vitamins, you run through different micronutrients like magnesium and zinc, and you run through electrolytes. And I know for me, taking electrolytes, I love Ultima powder. I'm not sure if you've tried it. It's from like Whole Foods. You can buy it on Amazon. But it makes a huge difference if I implement that on a day-to-day basis because I know I'm always stressed. That's just how I am. I actually have a slow commutation, so we can dive into that. But I essentially slowly degrade these fight-or-flight hormones, more susceptible to stress, more susceptible to burnout. So having in those electrolytes, just like the salt, the lemon water, is a huge game-changer to help me. It's just more power in my hands to help combat that stress. Especially because you also exercise and you deplete those oh, electrolytes yeah. too. You're, you're a serious athlete. I mean, you really do deplete those nutrients. Sometimes. And, <laughs> and, you're sh- and you're shaking and you're doing your moving. But, you know, I, I think that absolutely. And it's, it's funny, like the things that we fear the most. And that's really where I think we, our anxiety has so drastically increased is we're so afraid of carbs and we're so afraid of salt. And these are essential nutrients for life that our body desperately needs. And I, I short view of blood pressure issues on a short term basis. Do I think that adding too much salt to food can of course cause your blood pressure to spike? Absolutely. But I I really think that adding natural forms of salt to food, of course, if you do have blood pressure and this is an issue for you, this is not the recommendation for you for most people is, is really going to be very well tolerated and something that your body essentially needs. Right. Let's talk about other things that we can add in to help with anxiety, like herbs, because I absolutely love talking about herbs and adaptogens. Yeah, I'm, it's, it's hard because, so adaptogens themselves, right, are going to work with what your body already has. And you really want to be careful with adding too many. I have my favorite kind of like nighttime amino acid supplement that really I have two I would say that are like my big anxiety hacks these are like I mean this is like my stuff like these are like my big recommendations I I love glycine powder 
yeah. vital nutrients and you can mix it with passion flower, which is this herb. You do like a quarter of a teaspoon of passion flower. Passion flower actually can, you can build a tolerance to it. So I really want you to check with your doctor before I give any blanket recommendations for supplements. Just of course, make sure that it doesn't interact with anything. But passion flower and glycine together really make it almost physiologically impossible to have a panic attack because they actually will block the body's ability to have that lock and key fit for panic attacks. So they are my travel necessities is glycine powder mixed with passion flower. Unbelievable combination. And then to kind of, you kind of want to use adaptogens to, depending on what your body uses or needs, which would need to be assessed, you really want to use them at night. Again, if you're waking up in the middle of the night to kind of block and blunt that cortisol response from spiking in the first place. So like something like a phosphorylated serine could be really functional and helpful. Um, and like, like Serifos, there's a supplement that I love to help to blunt that cortisol response at night so that your body doesn't spike. But again, any supplement herb recommendation we give, please check with your functional medicine doctor, naturopathic physician to make sure it's right and right for your body. So glad you mentioned that. There's so many different adaptogens and I absolutely love them. But the thing about adaptogens is that just like every single person is individual, everybody responds to different adaptogens in a different way, right? There's ashwagandha, which I'm a huge fan. I love ashwagandha. Very good for stress resilience, anxiety, overall health, immunity, inflammation. But people respond differently, right? It depends also on what is the source, what is exactly. the content for ashwagandha? It's like you're looking at with analytes and is it a root or leaf? What kind of extract is it? Some people with ashwagandha, they take it and they're energized. Some people, they take it and they want to fall asleep. So it's just exactly. very important to be working with somebody who can help you figure out what's going to be best for you and don't throw all of the adaptogens in the bucket and no, just think exactly. that's better because they also interact with each other. And they exactly. have different things. Like, like again, some are very stimulating. If you take licorice or ginseng, that's going to keep you wired. And you don't want to throw licorice or ginseng or tyrosine in. If you have anxiety, that's going to make things so much worse. Exactly. The licorice can literally raise your blood pressure substantially yes. too. So you want to be really careful with things like that. And yeah, I'm, that's why for adaptogens, like it's so, you really have to be looking at the person so closely. I get really nervous to make those kind of blanket recommendations. Like I like rhodiola rosea is supposed to be like so helpful for people as you know, as a supplement. And I get like tremendous anxiety from it. And the funny thing we do too, right? It spikes me. I don't know. It just totally spikes me. That's why there's like something like salt is going to be pretty across the board. Your body's going to deplete them, but something like adaptogens, it's pretty hard to determine what your body is depleting or not, or if your body needs it or doesn't, or if your body wants it or doesn't until you try it. And, I'm assuming like others with anxiety, it takes me a really long time to want to put something in my body because I have a history of anxiety and I don't want something to mess with my stress levels and I don't want something to, you know, cause an interaction in my body. So it's funny because I never even considered taking anxiety medication because I was too anxious to take it. I was like, this is not gonna, I'm too scared of what the, the, I didn't want to feel like high or something from it. I was like so scared of taking it. But I think for people with anxiety, that's often because we don't have that body trust when we're suffering from anxiety. We don't feel comfortable. But knowing there are really a lot of supplements and herbs that absolutely can help. I think like blanket recommendations, like you want to reduce also like oxidative damage in your body. Inflammation is obviously an issue too. So something like a full spectrum, like omega-3, like a, a fish oil that you really trust 
or something like krill oil, or you can do something like a, a concentrated turmeric supplement from a really reputable brand that has, you know, the, the perfect ratio of, you know, black pepper and boswellia and all these things. Yeah, I'm definitely going to throw in a couple more things that I personally have seen helpful for others as well as what I've liked in the past. Again, don't just make sure you you're working with somebody or you understand that this might not necessarily work for you. CBD oil, high dose can put you to sleep. Low dose can help with little miniature stresses. Make sure you use a high quality brand that is third party tested. I right now I use CBD distillery. I absolutely love them. I pay for it. So this is completely not sponsored, but I love that brand. And then in regards to other things you can do, I love reishi mushroom and I'm a huge fan as well of valerian, which can put you out. It's a, <laughs> it's very sedating. And then magnolia bark, huge fan of those. I've, you know, I've had like mixed reactions with all of these, but the CBD, the quality is just, it has to be so good. Valerian too. Valerian did me up like uh, rhodiola. It's so weird. I don't know why I had a you know, because I used to suffer with GI issues too, I don't know if some, some supplements mess with your stomach and that would cause me to have more anxiety, which is possible by the way too. But I know people who've done extremely well with valerian root. I know people who have done extremely well with CBD 100%. Yeah. Just really important to focus on that bio bio individuality with that. Okay. So let's talk about the last thing that I wanted to hit on and that is discussing medication and why you should not feel bad for taking it. Yeah. I mean, medication for some people can be the difference between some really, really fatal conditions and, and not. So the, there is a place and time for medication. 100%. We are not doctors. We are not claiming to be prescribing these medications by any means. We are just advising to, of course, if you feel like you need medication and blocking yourself off from that part of your treatment plan can be really, really dangerous. You don't need to be holistic for the sake of being holistic. Integrative nutrition and integrative medicine is all about putting all the tools in place to really understand why you need that support. It's very, it's, it's very likely if you feel like you need that support that you do. So there is no stigma in any true integrative or functional nutritionist office on taking medications at all. In fact, if you feel like it supports you, it's the right decision for you. There is risk taking every supplement and every medication, but please do not take us saying that that finding the root cause of this means that medication is not a viable option. And of course, if you're taking it and it, and it works for you, amazing can still add these other things to support you during your anxiety proofing journey, as I would say, but absolutely, there's no shame in taking any medication that you feel and your doctor feels is a perfect fit for your body. So this is not a replacement for therapy. This is not a replacement for medication. This is all in addition to the current existing awesome regimen that you already have. I love that. I know for me, I've taken Zoloft for over, wow, I'm old now, like 12 years. And it's been a game changer for me. And I used to feel bad for taking it, but there's no reason to. It helps me survive. It helps me from having those terrible panic attacks that just crippled me down. Oh, could not breathe. They were ah, the absolute worst if I think about them. Cannot go river rafting because of them anymore, but... 
definitely. I'm going to go with you one day now. now oh, no. <laughs> You're like, no, please. No, please. Um, it was the I absolute want... worst. So we were uh, whitewater rafting, and they, to- they told us that we might hit one of these these bumps, one of these, like, I guess, crater types in the middle of the, in the water. And they said that if you hit this, I think it was devil something, but you hit it, you can get stuck. And that can be really scary and really bad and dangerous. And so, of course, we hit it. And what happens, Lacey with anxiety, at the very front of the boat, the water flushed in. And I kid you not, was it got, we got stuck and it went all the way up to my chin. And I was freaking the hell out. And I kid you not, the re- I don't remember the rest of the trip because all I was doing was hyperventilating the whole entire time. So, oh, my goodness. That's, that's, a, that's not even a micro trauma. That's really oh, traumatic. Legit trauma. Yeah, no, that's really true. I'm so sorry you went through that. No, and it's okay. I, uh, we're not going. I don't think I'm going rafting. whitewater rafting now. After you told me that, I think I'm out too. <laughs> I think I'm done now. I, I mean, I'm I okay. wasn't I ever gonna before. I live in New York City and like barely ever leave, so I was probably never going to. But that's um, that's a really hard story, and I'm sorry that happened. And I oh, totally freaking get that. Yeah. Yeah, but you guys, it's not bad to take medication. Medications they have their side effects. Some people, they are completely flatlined with moods. So some people, that means no libido. That means they don't get the high of the happiness, but they also don't get the low. So understanding why you're taking medication, working with a practitioner or a doctor, working with a therapist to understand what is going to be best for you, and just knowing that it is never wrong for taking any medication. I know a lot of different functional medicine doctors are pushing anti-medications these days, like statins. And... I'm just here to say, I might not believe in a specific medication, but I will never make you feel bad for choosing to take one. Absolutely. That is the most important thing in the world. And guess what? Your body is your body. And if you're listening, you are the only expert of your body. You are the only expert of your own body. Not a doctor, not a natural naturopathic doctor. Not any doctor, which I, I love about naturopathic physicians generally, because they really empower patients to have their own journey. But there, there is no one who knows your body like you do. And if you feel confidently and comfortably that you want to take something, it is the ball is always on your court. And I hope that you get from this podcast that no matter where you are at, again, there is always hope to moving in the the right direction with your anxiety, to feeling calmer, more connected with yourself and feeling safer and feeling really excited about things again. I don't care, again, if you're having panic attacks a hundred times a day, there's always something you can do. And absolutely, Lacey, if medication is a part of that journey, please go with what you feel and go with what your doctor is recommending. Absolutely. And Lacey, thank you so much for also sharing your medication story with everyone. I think that's really powerful. And I, I think that there's probably going to be a lot of people listening who feel a lot less alone after you share that. So that's really powerful. Oh, thank you. You're so sweet. Of course. I've been taking Zoloft for so long now and I've tried to get it off of it before and it just absolutely was not for me. I am not myself unless I take it. Maybe one day I'll come off, but there's no reason to, right? I feel good. I'm healthy. All my labs are good. And And right now I'm the happiest and healthiest I've ever been with it. Exactly. And you know what? You listened to your body when you came off it. You felt like it was the wrong thing for you. And again, there's there's nothing healthier in the world than listening to your body. That is the key. If there's like a key to health, it's just listening to your body and, and being really just so gentle with yourself, which is exactly what you did. 
and you advocated for yourself and you empowered yourself to make a decision that made you feel really good. So that means that Zoloft is correct for you. You know why? Because you decided it. And that's the important thing. Love it. Well, thank you so much for your time. It has been such an amazing pleasure to get to chat with you. You are beyond passionate about this. And I'm really excited because you have big things coming, great things for helping other people. So can you tell my listeners your big, exciting things that are coming, where people can find you, follow you, and work with you if they want to work with you? You're amazing, Lacey, and I'm so grateful to have shared the stage with you today. Yeah, I'm um, not sure where I've I found you, but I'm like completely obsessed with you. Yeah, I'm extremely obsessed with you as not, well. Not by I mean, the way, just a girl crush. I'll, I'll say it. A hundred percent. Yeah, your personality, <laughs> your your intelligence, everything. Yeah, you're. I mean, you're the real freaking deal. Everyone knows it. Come on, um, that's not even a question. But I'm I'm so grateful to have shared this. We have so many similar ideas about the treatment of our bodies. And we've been through such similar things. And I was really, really excited to connect with you today. And um, my practice is in New York, but I see clients virtually one-on-one. My information's all on my website. My website and my Instagram, my email are all the same. It's Michelle Shapiro RD at gmail.com. My Instagram is Michelle Shapiro RD. My Facebook page is Michelle Shapiro RD. And what I launched just a couple weeks ago, and I, when this podcast comes out, it'll be closer to a month ago, was my first anxiety-proof program. I, I, it's an online four-week program, basically, for people to take themselves from having panic attacks on a daily basis to really feeling a completely different relationship with their stress. This program is for anyone. Um, it's an online program, again, a holistic solution for stress. In addition, again, to the work you're doing in therapy, in addition, again, to the work that you're doing with your psychiatrist and medication, or as a standalone program, if you aren't, for people to actually learn what anxiety is, what they can actually tangibly do to heal it, and to really heal from anxiety for good. We believe that no matter where you're at, you can and do have the power to heal within you, and we just want people to help you access it. Again, this program, Anxiety Proof, you can find out more information about it at www.getanxietyproof.com. And my business partner, my co-founder, who's creating this incredible, has created this incredible program with me is Dr. Kochko. He is the acting president of the American Association for Naturopathic Physicians. He is the, for me, my anxiety guru. And I was so, so ridiculously excited to make this program with him after he was my personal doctor for years and then becoming one of my best friends. And we bring messages of true healing, true friendship, and true health through this program. So that is really exciting. We actually just sold out of our first round of, in, in, of the program, but we're actually opening it back up really soon um, for new enrollees. So if you're interested, there's a waitlist option on the website and you can also get a free 30 minute clinical hypnosis from Dr. Kochko, which is like a really, really amazing style of basically meditation of what hypnosis is. And his voice is just amazingly soothing. And when you go to get on the wait list, you, you instantly get access to that hypnosis too. So that's www.getanxietyproof.com. Awesome. Love it. Everything will be in the description below. Again, thank you so much for coming on. It has been such an amazing pleasure to get to chat with you. And I hope you listeners, you guys have an amazing day. Make sure to leave us a review, share this podcast. This is how we help change lives, reach more people. So please do that. And if you have any questions, anything that you need, follow me at Faith and Fit on IG. Shoot me messages, DM me what you want to learn about. Lacey, you're magic. Thank you so much and feel well, everyone.